Thank you, Adrian. Good morning. My name is Sue Collinson, and I'm a lay minister here, like Sarah Jane. It's really good to be with you. Shall we pray together as I start? Come, Holy Spirit, speak to us afresh this morning, we pray. Amen. As Sarah Jane said, this morning at the 9 a.m. service, we had the privilege of listening to Josh Herbert from the Sally Army. And he said something that I completely agree with. He said, if you're going to use Tipex in your Bible, then just Tipex out the titles of sections in the Bible, because they're the bits that actually have been added. They're not in the original Greek or Aramaic or Hebrew. And I would like to suggest this morning that we could just Tipex out that title, Do Not Worry, because this section of Jesus' sermon I think is perhaps less about worry and more about identity. So I would suggest that we could title this section of the sermon, Consider God, the one to whom you belong. Consider God, the one to whom you belong. Last week, my dear husband Mark, who is with us today, Um, went to um, a Benedictine community. It's a community uh, near Worcester, and he went there for a few nights on um, a silent retreat. They are a community that spend their time in prayer seven times a day and in silence. And he phoned me just once during his time away, and he said, Sue, I know these monastic communities are weird, but I'm so glad we have them. And as I was reflecting on what he said, I was thinking, you know, yes, they are strange. And I know that we, are, we here are not called to be part of a monastic community. But actually, perhaps we are the ones who are more strange and weird sometimes. Perhaps those communities have a grasp of reality that is sometimes lacking in us. Because when Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount, it is not a list of do's and don'ts. Jesus is describing a whole new way of life, a radically different way of life. Jesus is describing life in his kingdom, life under his just and gentle rule, life following his just and gentle instructions. Last week, we were reminded of what the basis of this life is all about. Jesus said to us in his words uh, uh, in the sermon, he said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Those are the verses that come immediately before the passage we're looking at today. James last week uh, told us that this is not about, it's not like having two jobs. It's not as though Jesus is here talking about juggling priorities or how do you do two things at the same time. It's much more radical than that. Jesus is using the illustration of serving a master, a slave, 
and his master. It's as though he's saying, you can't be owned by two masters. In first century Palestine, if you were a slave, your master owned you. And so Jesus here is, is saying that these two things cannot go together. They are opposed to one another. I suppose for us, it would be a little bit like saying you can't be married to two people. And even more so, he is saying that one is opposed to the other so that they're in conflict with each other. It's as though there is a battle for our allegiance. What's challenging about this is that contempt, or rather, start again, what's challenging to us, I think, about this is that if you imagine these two masters, these two uh, world views, if you like, that are battling for our allegiance, adoration and reverence for one breeds contempt for the other. In other words, the more we adore and worship and revere God, the less we will be tempted to be allured by the, um, the desires of wealth and money, the less we'll be tantalized, if you like, by what the world has to offer. And the more we think about money and focus on money and wealth and power and getting possessions, the less we will think about God, or perhaps the less we will think of God. So once Jesus has set out this stark reality of these two different masters, he then says, therefore, therefore, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? and the body more than clothes. <clears throat> so I think the word worry here is more about distraction than fear. Jesus is not talking about the pathological anxiety that sadly we see so often around us today. He's not really talking about that illness that needs treatment and healing and care. I think what Jesus is talking about here is much more common to all of us. He's talking about distraction, what our minds go to when they're in neutral. It relates closely to what he said to Martha when he was sharing a meal with his two sisters, Mary and Martha. He says to Martha, and I believe he says it in a very compassionate, loving way, Martha, you are distracted and upset by many things. Look at Mary. Mary has chosen the thing that is needful. Mary has chosen the better thing. Mary has chosen to be with me. So similarly here, Jesus is saying, don't concern yourselves with the things like food and clothes. Don't miss the important thing. He's wonderfully logical in his argument, isn't he? Because, of course, we know that life is more valuable than food. Our bodies are more important and precious than the clothes we put on them. But we can know something and actually have difficulty living that out. In our rational minds, we know that life, is more, life and health are more important than material things. 
the things that we normally value in life actually aren't things that we can necessarily touch or feel. Things like friendship, loyalty, beauty. But sometimes we don't live as though that was true. So how do we? How do we live in this truth? How do we live this authentic, rich, flourishing, healthy life that Jesus is telling us about? Well, he says, look, look, consider, see. I thought we can't really have a sermon about looking at birds and flowers without some pictures. So here are some pictures. This is one of birds feeding, and there's one of flowers as well. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And consider the wild flowers. Have we ever seen color or design like it? Just look at it. God's work, God's creation, his beautiful, valuable thing. And because he values it, so must we. But the reason why we are told by Jesus to look at creation is because we are to remember who it is who created it. We are to remember that the master we serve is our heavenly father. The master we serve is our creator. He wants to remind us of who God is. He says, your heavenly father feeds sparrows. Your heavenly father clothes fields with color. Your heavenly father paints the most glorious sunrise over Stanmore Lane. Your heavenly father designs beautiful things. He brings order out of chaos. He makes things new. This is what your heavenly father is like. He does all these things because it's in his nature to do it. How much more will he do for you, his children? A few weeks ago, I met up with a friend who um, I nursed with many, many years ago. And she came to see me in Winchester. And she brought with her a gift for me. She's now retired and has taken up some hobbies. And so she gave me this very beautiful, I don't know if you can see it on the live stream, but she gave me this very beautiful pot that she had made. It's got a lovely glaze inside. And I know this pot doesn't have a great deal of monetary value, but to me, it is precious, it's valuable. And it's valuable because of the person who made it. When I look at the pot, I think of my friend. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. When we look at the earth, when we look at ourselves, we can know that God loves and values us. We are valuable, not because of who we are, but because of who made us. And then Jesus encourages us to be not just outward focused, but to be present. He encourages us to live in the present moment, not in the future. It's been said that worry has a vivid imagination. 
He knows us and loves us so well, doesn't he, Jesus? He knows what's good for us. He knows that it's healthy to live in the present. Uh, I think that modern psychology backs this up. Uh, there's a study that's recently been done that says that if you listen to birdsong and watch birds, your symptoms of depression will reduce. And we know about the helpfulness of mindfulness, how that teaches us to live in the present. All wisdom comes from God. But Jesus doesn't just give us these directions to make us feel better. He knows they will make us feel better. He knows they're good for us. But Jesus gives them to us because it is the blueprint of his life. It is, he is describing what his life is like. He is describing the life that we ourselves can live. We can live the life of Jesus. Jesus, I believe, was the most carefree man to ever be on this earth. And when I say carefree, I mean in the truest sense of the word. He lived without a care because he lived in the care of his father. Remember how he slept in the boat when the storm raged around him. Remember how he took himself off to be with his father when the crowds were pressing in on him. Think of how focused he was on what God wanted him to do. Think about how he trusted God to the very end. Loving and serving this God is the best way to live. See the contrast between serving our loving Heavenly Father and the tyranny of serving money. God knows us and loves us. He wants the best for us. Money acts as though it knows us. Money and power pretend to know us and pretend to know what we need, but they never deliver. They promise us the earth, but they don't deliver. So let us serve God, not money. Let us strive for the things of God. Let us seek after his kingdom, his righteousness. And when the Bible says seek after, think about what that means, to pursue to make an effort to reach out for, to look for. Let's try and have our eyes open this week to the kingdom. The Message Bible puts it beautifully. It says, steep your life in God's reality, God's initiative, God's provisions. So where are we putting our efforts? Where are we putting our emotional and mental energy? Let's commit ourselves again to seeking for signs of the kingdom. Not just looking for them, but valuing them. Seeing God's work, seeing his creative power, seeing what God is doing. Maybe he's bringing restoration to a relationship. Maybe he's bringing new things, new opportunities. Maybe he's bringing healing or hope. Look at the birds. Watch the flowers blow in the wind and see what your loving, 
creating Heavenly Father is doing. Consider the one to whom you belong. And remember, you are his precious child and he loves you. Amen.